Welcome to the Apple of Truth, a weekly podcast where we cover every episode of Lucifer while exploring plot holes and admiring the guyliner. All with love for the show and its creators. I'm Vero. And I'm Lina. And today we're covering Lucifer, season 2, episode 12, Love Handles. Which does not translate into German. What? I am very surprised, I have to say. The episode You Have the Choice, as it is called in German, is about Lucy and Chloe dance around each other like cringy teenagers during this fucked up psych experiment only to be sickly cute at the end. Sick being the operative word here. Linda proves once again that she is the best. Ella is the one who solves the case and mom manages to manipulate Mace. Hmm. I love your summary this time. I love the wording of it. It's very nice. I do have an obsession of the week. I did have a bit of a tough time figuring it out because I don't think that Lucifer himself has won this week. So I went for a alternative route that the professor's obsession of the week is proving a point. I disagree wholeheartedly that Lucifer did not have an obsession. His obsession is, is it real or not? I don't know. It just didn't strike me as uh, as passionate as he usually is with his obsessions. So, but yeah, you're right. It's there. Of course. Thank you. Of course I'm right. What are you talking about, Vero? Exactly. <laughs> As pretty much most of this season, Lucifer gives us the English title. Can I argue that it's not Lucifer, but Chloe's subconsciousness that gives us the title? Oh, we're gonna get into that, but yeah. (laughs) So we have a fourth time repeat writer once again. This time it's Alex Katznelson, who wrote season one, episode seven, Wingman, season one, episode 10, Pops, season two, episode three, Sin Eater. All three of those episodes have low to mid-range ratings, so 8.1, 8.3. This one is the highest rating episode with 9.1, putting it in the second highest rating that we have so far, but we have several episodes on this level. And also IMDb provided us with a curious tidbit that is kind of obvious, but I forgot. In the pilot episode, Lucifer asks Chloe, did my father send you? In this episode, he finds out that his father did technically send her. I forgot about that. Same. It's kind of obvious, but yeah. And then in the end, he asks her, did you know, did you know all this time? So let's get into it when we get into that. Yeah, I'm sorry. Ah, Previously on Lucifer. Lucy's powers don't work on Chloe. She was a miracle orchestrated by God. Ames was the one doing the blessing. Mom decides that it's the way they're gonna get back to heaven. Andy stole the mystery package and got infected by something. Dan slept with Charlotte and Mace revealed his secret. Chloe makes Lucy vulnerable. Lucy doubts himself and Chloe kisses him. And I actually have a disclaimer because I forgot to mention this in the last episode. We actually get a confirmation about Chloe's age. Finally, because Aminadiel came to Earth 35 years ago to bless the couple. Hence, Chloe is 34. So our guessing work was very accurate, actually. (laughs) Very proud of us. Let me go to the point in my notes where we talk about her age. Our assumption was that in episode 7, she is at least 32. If she was 16 when doing Hot Top High School, so now that she is 34. So she probably did Hot Top High School when she was 17 or 18. Yes. We are so smart. So I'm gonna strike the question, how old is Chloe, from our list of questions. Whoop, whoop, whoop. 
And we can get right into the episode with amazing song called Seven Devils. And this is a song by Florence and the Machine, which is one of the bands that you really want to have on your playlist. So yay for music. I must confess, they had me going. I did not catch on that it was a dream. And I was like, they're not really making out. What? Because I did not see that coming after their beach kiss scene that they would be so aggressive suddenly. Also, because you pointed out last episode, I instantly realized he calls her detective. Then then we get the title drop and then it's revealed that it's a dream. So wait a minute. This is Chloe's fantasy. Does this mean <laughs> that in her sexual fantasy, Lucifer does not call her by her name? He calls her detective. Clearly. But this is exactly the reason why it got me confused as well. When I first watched it, obviously, now I knew it was a dream. But when I first watched it, I remember being full on convinced this was a dream because the comment that Lucifer makes is very Lucifer. Are you sure you want to do this, detective? It, like, why would you have that in your sex dream? It's just very curious. So, like, until the moment the love handles appear, which are fucking stupid and dumb, if you ask me. Yes. I was convinced this was real. Like, the moment the horns appear, I was like, ah, this is a bit... No. The moment the horns are there, it's very obvious that nope. But I can understand that in her fantasy, Lucifer wants to make sure that she is comfortable with what they're doing. I'm just surprised that her preferred nickname is a detective and not her name. But of course, for me, the best part of this scene is Mace sitting there eating popcorn while watching Chloe have and apparently act out her sex dream? Because I don't know about other people, but as far as I'm aware, most people don't move all that much during all their sex dreams, right? I don't really know how that works. I have never done the research. You've never watched someone while they slept and wondered what they were dreaming of? Yes, I'm not a creepy <laughs> vampire, no. <laughs> Very good. So that Mace has zero boundaries is wonderful and hilarious and I am there for it every single time it happens. What I love about Mace is that she first went downstairs to check if Chloe is okay, if she's safe, because she heard her scream. That's so sweet. It's just very sweet. That's literally the word I use. Fuck off from my notes, please. Thank you. Oh, is it one of those episodes? Yes, it's one of those episodes so far. But also, Mace is right. Chloe is very uptight, but but it's not gonna change in 10 minutes. It's stupid. And you know how happy it makes me when characters say what I've been saying. Yeah, validation. You don't need it, do you? <laughs> of course I do. Oh, yeah. Never mind. We can go to your other, other favorite character, and that is Linda. And she is, as usual, amazing, but sadly also as usual lucifer is deflecting and projecting i kind of really like that lucifer is trying to share his feelings but because he is lucifer he will not admit that they're his feelings so he tries to kind of arrange it that it's oh we are talking about chloe though right lucifer always uses projection to work through his own issues but what really got me in this scene lucifer has absolutely no concept as to what makes him lovable or worthy of love and i feel like this goes through the entire episode he's so desperate for the confirmation that chloe actually really honestly truly authentically likes him 
for who and what he is that the reveal at the very end is so, so, so painful. That is set up here with him not realizing why he's worthy of love and so... Yeah, I was very much afraid when Linda started analyzing the situation that Lucy's gonna get up and leave. But he didn't. However, he found another way to avoid the fact that Chloe might actually (laughs) like him by trying to convince himself that suddenly she is not immune to his charms. Which brings us to the next scene directly. Where he tries to very, very early on test this theory and... Oh my god, the two of them are so, so awkward. That's why I called them cringy teenagers. It's hilarious, but also painful to watch. Well, you have a couple of people there who are not, they're not used to relationships. You know, they're not used to start new relationships with anybody. Not to mention anybody else who actually doesn't know how to fucking do this. So I'm not judging. I'm just saying cringy. Also, I love the poison poisoning Yeah, from Ella. Ella is on the top of her game this episode. If she wouldn't be there, they would never have solved the case. Stop it. Stop talking evil to your cat. She's a cat. She was making a noise. Yeah, and she doesn't understand what you're saying, so it won't make a difference. She knows exactly. You should have seen her face. Never mind. Ella is, of course, the one capable person, and nobody ever says thank you to her. They really should appreciate her more. Also, I'm extremely there for sick mind games, like we're now apparently getting. And we also, at the end of this scene, get our title card. Before we move on to the precinct, just one last thing. At this stage, I realized that this must have something to do with the stupid vials that we saw last time. And also, when the actor shows up and they are talking to the students out in the hall, Chloe is finally getting a little bit more back to herself, which after that whole scene of Chloe being extremely uncomfortable and weird, I'm actually glad that she's reining that back a little bit. It felt reassuring to see normal Chloe sneaking through. So we're now at the precinct and we get the creepy psycho video and oh boy, that mask. Really? See-through plastic mask? Well, you can't really see his face through the mask. So, you know, it does its job. I'm just disappointed. It could have gone all out on it. Also, why didn't the stupid actor dude not just call the cops? I think he says that he didn't think it was real. And then he started taking it more seriously and that's the moment he should have called the cops. And even later on, the doctor doesn't call the cops on her own decision. So I don't understand why those people don't use law enforcement. With the doctor, I understand it a little bit more because she she is actually genuinely a good person, apparently. And she is really trying to save this girl. And if you involve law enforcement, then the decision is out of your hands and you can pretend you did the right thing. So especially for the douchebag, it would have been the better choice to involve police. So that I didn't understand. Also, fun moment. Lucifer says the killer is playing God and not playing dead. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Interesting. I have a massive issue with the whole premise of this villain. I have it mentioned numerous times later on. About a third of my notes is just me coming up with different insults towards the professor because I was very upset. It's a classic moral dilemma. The idea is standard. Yeah, but my issue with this is that he's trying to prove that he did the right thing by putting people who are more important or more accomplished 
he's creating a situation that is way more difficult to decide because if he would have left his laptop behind he would have lost four years of his work which I mean is sucky and it's stupid and it's bad and he would have to do it all over again but he would still have the option to do it all over again however if he's gonna convince a surgeon to destroy her hand he's gonna prevent her from doing the job that she wants to do which is helping people for the rest of her life I just feel and that was my biggest issue with this guy and that's good writing because I know that I was supposed to be hating this fucker it did the job but that was my biggest issue that he He is trying to prove his point by thinking more of himself than he actually is. This motive comes back a little bit later again. But his motive is not to prove that he did the right thing. His motive is to prove that he is just human and other humans would have handled the situation as selfishly as he did. He's not trying to prove that he did the right thing. He's just trying to prove that he's not a monster or that his behavior was simply human. Back to our precinct. Actually, fun part of the scene comes in where Lucifer decides to call his mother. And she is at the station. She hangs up on him. While he watches her, she hangs up on him and it's ridiculously funny. He calls her, he walks over to her and just shoves the person she was talking to away and becomes surprisingly candid with her after she tells him that she has nothing to do with Chloe's behavior. And here we once again see how fucking insecure Lucifer actually is now that he is being confronted with genuine romantic feelings. I feel like this is one of those moments where Tom Ellis is the reason why this sells so well because his acting is all in his face and he really sells and he only has like two or three seconds before Dan shows up. Yeah and my favorite part of this episode starts where they exchange just a couple of words and it says everything just goes detective, consort, douche, dick. It's so good. Did you notice that both Lucifer and Mom call their romantic slash sexual interests detective? I did not put that together, no. Because Mom calls Dan detective. He says counselor to her. But she then comes over to him and calls him Daniel, which is just mwah, so good. But still, I found it hilarious that both Mom and Lucifer apparently call their potential partners. I think potential partners is a very, very strong wording towards Dan and Charlotte, but yeah. Well, at least they are having sex. This is more than Chloe and Lucifer have done so far. Yeah, well, there's an emotional connection between them. You can't do that. You can't compare that. However, this scene ends with, as I mentioned, Charlotte coming across to Dan and calling him Daniel. But both Lucifer and Daniel are extremely uncomfortable with the situation and Charlotte's just like walking past. It's great. And we get a song starting to play right now that is called Just Can't Get Enough by The Sea, which perfection. And that brings us to the library. We go to the library. I call the scene, use Pornhub, it's safer. Don't use your email address for some shadowy and weird porn pages on the internet. Just use Pornhub. Listen, this is why he used an email address that he didn't actually use for anything else. Still. Yeah, I agree with you. Also, please, please, this is gross don't do this in a public library other people are using that space 
It's not about people being there, but it's about people using the same equipment after they leave. Because, let's be honest, people who jack off in public do not disinfect that area afterwards. They do not, or I would be very surprised if they did. Ugh. Question. Did Lucifer really not realize that the guy was jacking off? Or was he playing Chloe? I don't think he was playing Chloe. I think he just found it extremely funny. So he just said these things as a joke. I'm stating it as playing Chloe because with the whole how do you know it's not a gun it's not a gun so either he's aware what the dude has in his hands he's absolutely aware and then he is making fun of chloe by but what if it's a gun or he is not aware and so i wasn't quite sure i was absolutely <laughs> sure that lucifer knew exactly what was happening there okay also we get our second video here and it is again malibu state so the killer has to be connected somehow to this university that's kind of obvious from this moment on yes this is an Another, when we watched the second video, this is another moment where I went on a, a bit of a rant in my brain towards the whole situation, which I have touched upon just a couple of minutes ago, where I called him a sick fuck. Accurate. Called the experiment stupid and gross. And at least with the actor, the only thing that he would lose would be his looks. But putting a doctor who is saving dozens and dozens of lives into a situation like this and take this away from her in order to save one life. So it's like a Sophie's choice. Like, do I save one life where I can see this person and I know their name and I know her face? Or do I let her die in order to potentially save another hundred for the rest of my life? You know, it's just a stupid sick mind game which I hate and it just made me very upset. Like I said I don't have the problem with the setup but in this case he overreached his premise because the situation he's trying to emulate is one life's work potential versus the life of another person. That is the baseline, which worked with the actor and would work later on with the athlete. But in the case of the doctor, it is not just one livelihood versus one life. It's one life versus potentially hundreds of lives. So in my opinion, the doctor was a bad choice by him. Yeah, and this was actually the main reason why I was getting so upset with the professor. He overreached. But we're not even at the doctor, so we really need to stop talking about all the cases that are happening in the future. Right now, <laughs> we're at the party. Oh, are we already at the party? Yes. Right outside the door. Yep. Yeah, and we're gonna get a song inside that is called Green Lights by Pitbull. When they arrive at the door to the party, Lucifer tells Chloe that she is not looking the part. And then we get part of the trope that I hate, that we have in all those she's all that or she's the one movies. She takes down her hair and now she's like a completely different person. She took off her jacket as well, right? Didn't even notice that she was wearing a jacket. But it's like, yay, she had her hair up and now her hair is down. And now she looks like a party girl. Really? I'm like, nah. It's a very Zoolander moment. I didn't put that much thought into that actually it was just honestly I feel that the difference in her look would not be just in her look but in her posture as well and she felt very different from when they walk up to the house to when they actually walk inside so I didn't actually have that much of an issue with that but she does look beautiful and we have this little moment where she's getting 
all brutish again, probably after she tried to hit on Lucifer in the library again and he just did not understand what was happening and she went like, oh, okay, I'm not getting the reaction I expected. And she reigns kind of back again. And from now on, we get our Chloe that we know and love again. So I kind of like that. But... I really liked the way Lucifer just looks at her and just says, Oh, you look beautiful. It was a really, really nice moment. As we walk inside the party, Chloe becomes even more Chloe-like when she just walks up to a guy and expects him to give her a straight answer about what's happening. (laughs) Which also is another reason why her outfit change or look change is so utterly useless because she's not trying to blend in. She's confronting people. But Chloe behaves very much like herself, like you said at the party. Lucifer, in my opinion, doesn't. He is surprisingly unsuave compared to his usual self. He gets collected, more or less, by this group of young girls, young women. We then cut on over to Dan and the doctor. I called this babysitting Dr. Scott. Nice, I called it guarding the doctor. My only note for this one is that I really appreciate that we get a proper moral struggle with the doctor. You can see that she is thinking about it, weighing the pros, the cons, how she can live with it on a moral base for herself and yada yada. So... I'm quite there for it, I have to say. She's doing very well. My first, my only note on this scene is that I kind of love her. And the fact that this is all, as I said before, kind of a Sophie's Choice. Not directly, exactly like Sophie's Choice, but it's just putting on a line one life that you know against a potential bunch of lives. That's an an impossible decision to make. And uh, I don't know. In a lot of shows that I see and I watch, you had this this potential struggle off between but this is my friend and I want to save them and in Supernatural it's a very often depicted struggle that they have I will do anything to save my brother however I don't care how many people die in the process type of a dilemma you know do I rather save the whole world and let my brother die or save my brother and potentially destroy the world in the process so yes this is an extreme version but this is a theme that Supernatural is dealing with at least once every season. Yeah, but the girl potentially dying is neither a friend nor a relative to the doctor. Yeah, but if you give somebody like that a face and a name, it's very difficult to say no to. It makes it real. What I'm trying to say is if the professor would say, I will kill a random person or whatever, it's easier to convince yourself that it's not gonna happen. However, when he says, this person, look at the picture, her name is this and that, her name is Alice whatever it's much more real in our brains we go back to the party and lucifer is hanging out with the random college girls that he met there and smoking weed and being surprisingly open well before we actually get upstairs into that room we have him downstairs drinking the beer and we get a song at the party again which is called don't let me down by the chain smokers and then chloe sees him leave with another woman. Ah, sometimes they're music choices. Yep, <laughs> that's perfect. And of course, we have the worst pickup line in the universe where Chloe randomly bumps into a guy and he says, Was that an earthquake or did you just rock my world? And I ask, How does that ever work on anyone? Would that work on you? I don't need pickup lines. Yeah, but like, 
if somebody would come up to you and say that to you, would you think, oh, yeah, this is a good potential person to have sex with? Depends on how they look. <laughs> I'm that superficial. Fair enough. Because if somebody would say that to me, I'd be like, yeah, no, thank you. I'll move on. It's a better line than did it hurt when you fell from heaven. It's a better line than so many others. So this is at least slightly creative. I feel like they're all on the same level for me, so... But do you know what the best pickup line ever is? When you write your telephone number on a lime and then hand someone the lime because it's a pickup lime. Jesus. No. Yes! Nina. Yes! It actually works. No! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> We're so, so good at this. <laughs> Never mind! <laughs> I am surprised what I learn about you during this these recordings. You know nothing, Jon Snow. Clearly. Anyway, so the guy uses this horrible pickup line and at that moment, Chloe sees Lucifer being led upstairs by one of the girls from the party. And obviously she assumes the worst. And we cut to the scene where they sit in the room and they are smoking a joint and talk about Chloe. And I fucking love that scene. It's just so adorable. I agree with you that the scene with Lucifer in the room is great. But I'm kind of over Chloe always assuming the worst about Lucifer. Because she does this in the last episode as well. And I've raged about that more than enough. But where's the trust? And at the end of this episode, she does trust him with nothing held back. So I'm kind of like, why the judgy? Why the judgy Chloe? Don't. Because it's Chloe. This is her primary setting. She may trust him on a professional level and she may trust him as a friend, but putting that on another level for a relationship or anything like that is a completely different situation, I think. Especially to her. So I think that she's just struggling to understand what it actually means to potentially have a relationship with Lucifer. <laughs> I'm not satisfied. <laughs> I, I am definitely shrubbing that off towards the inexperience in any kind of dating or anything like that. Makes you wonder though, how did dating with Dan go back in the day? I think that Dan was very straightforward and I'd say he has moves. He must have had, right? I would guess him as somebody who would initiate the relationship. Yeah, because otherwise nothing would ever happen. Yeah. Pretty confident with that. There were no other relationships, right? I don't think so, no. Oh my god, nightmare fuel. That means that Chloe only ever had sex with Dan. Well, I don't think that necessarily it means that, but... Have you seen Chloe's reaction to Lucifer's one-night stands? I'm willing to bet that woman never had a one-night stand in her life. I think Chloe was a bit of a different person before her dad was killed. Which was when she was 18. So do you think she went out there before that? I'd say so. I would not be surprised since I'm not gonna connect that to the fact that she was nude or like topless in a film. Thank you. <laughs> no, but like if she was comfortable being topless on a set with a bunch of people, I don't think that she would be as stuck up and when she was younger and then uh, I would see it as a quite of a understandable psychological reaction to her dad's death that she closes up and she doesn't want to let anybody in her life anymore. And sexual contact is very much letting someone in. And then out! <laughs> That's a fact. Sex for women or gay men is much more invasive than sex is for the active male part. So that is always something to keep in mind. I talk a lot about these topics, so don't mind me. 
We're moving on to mom in therapy, or so it seems. Just to mention before we move on, we kind of forgot to say that oh, yeah. they managed to find the girl bleeding in the bathroom. The girl bleeding in the bathroom. <laughs> Maybe a bit important later on, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares? So yeah, they find the girl bleeding in the bathroom. Yay, yay, yay. And she stands there above the sink, bleeding from her nose, saying it won't stop. And that is the moment where we have a cut and go to Linda's office where Trisha Helfer is the tallest human in the universe next to Rachel Harris. It's so good. It even gets pointed out, which is wonderful. But what I found surprising, when Linda closes the door right behind mom, I freeze-framed for a moment because after going back, I read her initial expression as being extremely fearful, but it doesn't match the entire rest of the scene because Linda, on contrary, seems quite comfortable interacting with mom, with the goddess of creation. So that was a very weird moment and it's just this one frame where you see her close the door, look towards the camera to where supposedly mom is standing, that she looks like she's afraid. But since it doesn't match the rest of the scene, I was like, okay, never mind, maybe I'm seeing things. I think that she's just very professional in this scene. Whereas if she maybe have met mom in the wild, she would have been more scared but because she is on her own home turf and because she is there to do a job as she says later in the scene her loyalty lays with her patient which is Lucifer and she needs to be professional in the situation even though she is probably shitting herself. I love that she's seeing right through mom and that she's holding her ground for the sake of her patient so Linda is amazing as I said initially and say every single episode if she's in it or not it doesn't matter we love linda but i still have to say that mom is playing it pretty perfectly even though linda isn't biting i can see what mom's plan is and position and why she's trying to go that direction and i love the it seems to run in the family with the misinterpreting what linda says and then just leaving and linda sitting there now i see the resemblance yeah it's perfect the writing in this episode and parts is really good i have to say yeah i agree there is a question that i kind of have had you kind of answered it for me but also if mum is planning to tell lucifer about the situation after she got them together is she doing it in order to make Lucifer upset and like turn him against dad? I think so, yeah. I think that the plan is to get Lucifer's hopes up, which is why she's so happy that apparently they kissed and yadi yadi. And now when Lucifer is at this high point and everything is great, to rub into his face that his happiness was manufactured by his father, which in her expectation, honestly in my expectation as well, will send Lucifer in a violent spiral. Why that makes it possible for them to return to heaven? I'm not really seeing that. But apparently she wants her son extremely enraged. And on her side, potentially. Yeah. Also, partially, that question is, why doesn't she want to tell him herself? Because you always shoot the messenger when you get news that shitty. Okay, that's fair enough. But also, now I just remembered what we saw a few episodes back, and apparently that is a tool that helps them with the reference uh, when my husband closes a door, he opens a window, because Lucifer was also angry, but not angry enough. 
Well, he was getting angry enough and she stopped him. Yeah, and so I'm thinking that see. there is something with Lucifer needs to be angry. We have something that apparently reacts to anger. I'm still not seeing how this is getting them back to heaven, but that's just me. Then we would probably be talking about righteousness and maybe even Lucifer recreating the rebellion or something. Neither he nor Amenadiel have wings. How do you get back to heaven without wings? Well, then we are asking another question is like how powerful mom truly is at this moment because we really don't know that. Do you think she might have the capability to return to heaven but she would need her warriors? Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking right now. Okay, so meta plot stays very, very curious but for now we return to our plot of the week. We go back to the doctor and they get the call and she's like, oh, I, I need a glass of water. I'm like, Dan, Dan. Yeah, all caps, don't fucking let her in the kitchen by herself. Why would would you do that? It's like, don't let her go anywhere by herself in this moment. And then you hear that sound of this uh, garbage disposal thing. What, by the way, is a totally strange concept to me. To everybody in Europe, yes. Right? We don't have those. It's a very American thing, yeah. Oh, God, I would never put something with metal teeth in my drain. <sighs> yeah, nope, nope, nope. Horrifying. And nope, reading out my notes. Ew, ew, ew. You, you, I hate this so much. You, 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 you. I only have God that sound. And oh my God, that incredibly brave and stupid woman. Because for me, the doctor is both brave and stupid. Yes. And I hate it so much. And also, we then have her on the gurney. And Lucifer is there. You cannot play by a twist and tyrant rules. And I'm like, yes, boy. Tell it like it is. I mean, obviously, he's talking about his dad. But... I'm very much with him. Yeah, well, thus don't negotiate with terrorists or whatever he says. That's very American, yeah. It is very American, but like at the same time, you don't want to play their game. You want to get them to play your game, pretty much. It's kind of the idea of control. I have a question. How did the killer know that the doctor destroyed her hand? Chloe says that they emailed back a picture of her hand. Right... Damn, I missed that. And I, for one, am slightly surprised that he actually is true to his word and he sends the antidote. That makes sense because he has more experiments lined up and if someone knows that he's not gonna be true to his word, then nobody is gonna have the chance to observe this experiment on a biased and in his inflated brain pulp in his head, he thinks that he's conducting a very valuable experiment. Which of course he isn't, but he's an idiot. Can we just burn him alive or something? I hate him a lot. Sadly, no, but I stay by my fact that just because Lucifer isn't in hell does not mean hell isn't working. So I'm having hopes for that, that he's simply burning in hell. Hoping? Yeah. However, speaking of inflated... (laughs) <laughs> Back at the precinct, we get this wonderful, wonderful <laughs> picture of this, yeah, inflated corpse. <laughs> it's 
so gross. Such a good segue. Thank you, Vero. Finally, I get confirmation that it was indeed Andy Kleinberg at the end of last episode because we both weren't sure. Well, I knew from the previously on because in the subtitles in previously on, we do see Andy being tagged as saying that sentence as in what's gonna happen to me. Not in my subtitles. Well, I have a high definition DVD collection, so I am obviously have more information, so... Screw you, Amazon! <laughs> Thank you, Amazon, for delivering my DVDs. We're back at the precinct. Ella's here to save the day with the in- inflatable corpse. And yes, it is Andy. So as much as we guessed last time at the end, it was Andy. Well done us. Virtual high five. Also, this episode is indeed a direct continuation of the weird mystery plot. And at this moment, my note is, they better wrap it up now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, we'll talk about it later. Yeah, Ella, my notes just go, designer poison, stupid horrible thing. You are so right, Ella. I love you. And designer antidote. So we go over to the hospital to talk to the girl who lived because the doctor sacrificed her hand. And given the current climate of anti-vax idiots, I was not a fan that she got the poison via flu shot. Yeah. Simply because in this day and age, I feel like we need to present vaccination in a very, very positive light and not give it any negative connotation. Looking at you, Morika, with your ginormous anti-vax movement that's infected. Haha, <laughs> see what I did there? The rest <laughs> of the world. What we see in this scene as well is that Lucifer is very invested in this case, which may be a few reasons for that. One of those reasons might be the fact that, as Lucifer stated before, the guy is playing God and Lucifer does not like that. He is considering him mad and chaotic and a tyrant. So I can understand this is in a typical Lucifer fashion, him getting very, very invested and very, very angry about the situation and about the killer. Also, Chloe explicitly tells him that they need to focus. And when she asks for something explicitly, it is rare that Lucifer does not do as she bids. We go to the precinct and did you notice? No. Lucifer calls Dan Daniel. I missed that. I was surprised. It runs in the family. I love when they call him Daniel. I love when Lucy calls him Daniel. Do you not like when mom calls him Daniel? No. Okay. I again call the Professor Carlyle a sad bag of dicks. I criticize him because his assumption is flawed. He claims that the doctor only performed in the way that she did because she was observed. But he is also still observing the third experiment. So he did not change the parameters. So he did not better the experiment. And so it's just another sign that he has no idea what the fuck he's doing. Besides, I am like 99% sure that the doctor, if the police wouldn't have showed up, she would still destroy her hand because she seemed like a genuinely good person. This is something that we will never know because we, we never had the unobserved. But if he truly didn't want to have an observed experiment, then his setup doesn't work for that. 
Also, everything that he had set up, he has to have set up long before Chloe wrote that email. So it is not Chloe's responsibility in any way, shape or form, because he had obviously planned to make the third experiment in this way. But also, how it progresses later on, he would have needed her there. So had she not taunted him, he would have had to come to her. So Chloe did good by being impulsive. Yay, Chloe. And not just Chloe, because they work on that email together. Yes, Lucifer is a very good influence. It's a beautiful partnership they have there. And again, I got upset about the ridiculousness of the situation and the way that he is putting all of his subjects through way more extreme situations that he was exposed to. And also the fact that he conducts his whole conversation over the video I would be willing, I would not be happy about it, but I would be willing to accept that he is doing it as an actual experiment. If he didn't end this conversation by saying, oh, how's that for someone who couldn't get a tenure? Because that comment just shows that he is doing it for selfish reasons and he is a bad, petty little man and I fucking hate him. Not gonna disagree with you there. Especially since we're now moving into my no, 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 please don't moment. Because mom decided that Mace would be her idiot. And my only note is Mace, please don't fall for it. We do get a song that's playing in the bar called Fake It by Little White Hounds. It's a YouTube-only song. Again, quite a few this season. See, the problem with this song is that when I clicked the link, it took me to Spotify to the song, but I think it must have been taken down for some reason because it was only grey and you couldn't click on it, you couldn't play it. So it's a YouTube-only. Might also be a regional thing. Maybe it's only accessible from like the US or something. Possible. And unfortunately, I can't edit to the playlist this way. But I actually felt very proud of me because she resisted. She recognized that she is being manipulated. So I really appreciated that she wanted to walk out and very convenient cuts at the end of the scene where Charlotte says, I need to show you something and we don't actually get to see at all what she was gonna show her. I hate the fact that Mother says the entire thing to Mace, even though Mace is on her way out, refusing to listen to her. But that's mom. Yes, that's a typical mom. We then once again go back to the precinct for the umpteenth time. And once again, Ella is there to save the day. With her forensic expertise. And once again, I do ask, does anyone tell her thank you? Well, I mean, Chloe did help a little bit. I think everybody did a really good job, I suppose finding the guy. They managed to find him within an hour. Less than an hour. Because of fucking Ella. Obviously because of Ella. She deserves props. Yeah, well, she deserves the world because she is perfect. But... I don't think that we're here to talk about that right now. I'm always here to talk about Ella. She rose in my appreciation very, very quickly. Did you like her before we started the rewatch? No. I'm glad that you like her now. Because I remember you saying that and I was like, but you changed your opinion on her so fairly quickly. Yeah, because Ella's character is only interesting because of those tidbits that get dropped 
in side sentences with the it's not the first time I get ahead in a box blah with the cars or something blah, blah like, always in the back it's like always this half sentence that gives you a bit more intrigue for her and now that we dissect every episode suddenly all these half sentences become much more relevant and so liking her is kind of a natural side effect of dissecting the episodes I didn't dislike mom as much in the past either. Me neither. Also, the fact that we both binged the season didn't help because now going through it in much more detail, it is just much easier for us to get into the emotions. Mom is so aggravating when you give her time to be aggravating. And I really enjoy it. Going through this in detail is very positive for some characters and very negative for some others. I also liked Amenadiel much more the first time through. Hmm. I don't think I hated Dan in season one as much. I never hated Dan, so there's not much change there. If you look at it, like you probably have a very similar reaction to your main characters. Or like if we say Lucifer, Chloe, Mace and let's say Linda are the most like important characters from episode one essentially so you kind of have the same reaction to them still because their importance is still there but all the smaller characters potentially side characters or newer characters oh but my feelings for chloe and linda are also amplified it makes sense though i could tolerate chloe much more and i didn't worship linda as much she (laughs) we should put chloe talk into the summoning episode Alrighty. so scene 16 i called it found you (laughs) and the scene starts and he starts his yapping about the oh if you come in here you're gonna die but you need to come in here blah 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 I was like ah fuck if Chloe left Lucy could simply walk in there but she won't leave and then instantly he turns around to her and goes like detective you have to trust me go away go after him and she goes I'm like didn't expect it to be that simple (laughs) yeah well sometimes it actually is simple I did call the professor a fucking dick this time very creative on your part I'm sorry, in this stage I was so outraged that I could not come up with a normal insult that would not be just something very straightforward. However, I do love that Chloe actually trusts Lucy and leaves, because I don't think that she would have done that a season ago. Yeah, fully with you. Even a couple of episodes ago, I don't think. And you know what really, really angered me? That he was cutting open his wrist? That he had to cut himself repeatedly because to this day he has not tested how far apart he and Chloe need to be to make sure he is invulnerable. This is a test that should have been conducted from day one when they figured out Chloe makes him vulnerable. Mace should have tied him to, I don't know, a car or something, (laughs) put a tracker on Chloe and then... (laughs) Locked Chloe into a storeroom and then made sure how far apart the two of them have to be to ensure Lucifer's safety. Okay, in his defense though, he didn't know how quickly she was moving. He didn't know which direction she was going. So he didn't actually know how far she was anyway. So even if he knew... But he still does not know how far apart they have to be. If he knows it's 10 yards, if he knows it's 20 yards, if he knows it's 50 yards, you have a rough idea how long it takes until it happens. That's fair enough, okay. But in his defense, he didn't know the speed she was moving. He didn't know the direction she was moving. He didn't see her. So even if he knew the exact measurements, it would have been very difficult for him to 
estimates. He still would have had the chance to estimate this way. He had to repeatedly cut his own fucking wrist. Do you know what though? I appreciate that he didn't cut the inside of his palm because that always fucks me up when I see that. Yeah, because r cutting your wrists inside your pulse is so much smarter. Why not cut on the back of your forearm? Well, that would be probably the best go. However, yes, wrist is stupid. At least he didn't slush open his veins like in the other direction. He could have just pricked his fucking finger. Well, that doesn't look as good on cinema. However, I actually appreciate that he did because they always cut the inside of their palms, which is bullshit because that's like the worst place to heal. And you can't do anything. Like your hand is completely out of commission because you cut it open and like it's really easy to cut too deep. It infuriates me when people do that. So this made you very happy. This made me happier. Let's not go very happy because he still could have chosen a little bit better place that is not as stupid as a fucking wrist. So he rips open the door, yada yada, everything great. And on the other side of this scene, we have Chloe chasing the professor. And of course, she catches him. They tumble a bit. And I went back, I freeze-framed, I did not see when he got the poison on her, which she must have done during the scene, for the last scene of this episode. He must have poisoned her in that moment. That's the only physical contact moment that the two of them had. Yeah. And I went back, I freeze-framed, I did not see it happen. I'm interested to see the revelation of when and how that happened, because they're gonna have to do that next episode. They have to. Also, Professor... Micro penis spews a lot of bullshit. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you. Thank a micro penis is nothing to laugh about. People who have one are very unfortunate and don't need to be shamed, but I couldn't think of a better word. I apologize. He's spewing a lot of bullshit because you always have a choice. Or do you? Because the fact that he is giving us the whole you don't have a choice or whatever speech and if we put it against the other plotline that we're following this episode is that for Lucifer and Chloe to get together they never had a choice it was always going to happen because it was orchestrated that way so I kind of see this as a meta plot type of a device for us as viewers which I'm kind of surprised that Lucifer wasn't there to hear this but I know that he's talking about something else But stay with me because I'm gonna stay with your thread. Lucifer is not human. Ah. And choice is, especially in a setting with the whole God creation, choice is something that is uniquely human. We have choice. We have free will, which gives us the ability to choose between good and bad and to make our decisions and yada yada. And so far, we have been talking about, do angels have free will? Do they have souls? Does Lucifer have free will, but the other angels don't? We're still in a very theoretical area there because so far the show has not provided us with any definitive statements for humans we assume the standard free will because yada 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 apple of truth and everything <laughs> name drop so i'm very curious how it's gonna be with chloe and lucifer because while chloe is a miracle child she is still human, as far as we know, right? Because just because Amenadiel blessed her mom, her father is still her father. So she has two human parents. Yes, as far as we know, yeah. So she should be still a vanilla standard human. And as such, she must have free will. But Lucifer, as an angel, I don't know, but he rebelled. So I'm very curious where we're going with this, but so far we do not have enough information. But I'm having my eyes open and I'm seeing this free will and choice issue there. 
But for vanilla humans, they always have a choice. Yeah. The whole situation at the end where he slushes his own throat. And right before he says, you'll understand soon enough. I didn't understand it in that moment because, like I said, you don't see anything happen in a tomb before. I was like, damn, shit's ominous. Yeah, it's gruesome situation. Dude has no idea what's about to happen. And also at the end of this scene, we get Lucifer and Chloe together with the forehead to forehead hug. Oh, yes, yes. And he says, oh, so it was real. And it's such a beautiful moment. And now I understand my notes because I thought that I was getting a little bit ahead of myself but I just said he will hurt so much when they fucking tell him looking at them my heart is already breaking because even if they wouldn't tell him in this episode eventually he would find out and it's not gonna be pretty also personal note those hugs where you have the forehead to forehead totally my thing I'm so there for that so yeah I do not like the last scene. It did not make me feel very happy. Before we go to the last scene, we go to the penultimate scene, which I called Reveal. Also, I have those kind of smooshed together. I had in the beginning, but I wanted to keep it separate. So we're in the bar. Lucifer shows up and my first note is Mace don't do this because I did not want Mace to be the messenger. But what I didn't understand, why is mom still around? I thought the point was to get Mace as the messenger to deliver the shit news and to not be involved. I think that she needs to be there to make sure that Mace is actually going to go through with it. So she could not find a good enough Patsy that would deliver the news unsupervised. Yes, she was forced to go to Mace and she cannot let Mace do it by herself because she just doesn't have the loyalty. Mom doesn't trust Mace. When Lucifer says, I feel invincible, I just went into bits. My breaking point is when he corrects himself. He talks about her and says, detective, Chloe. That was for me the... Oh, I hate this so much. Oh, I love it. I'm totally there for it. Uh, yeah, of course you are. And then looking at Maze's face. Yeah, Maze realizes what's at stake here. And she tries to get Lucifer out of there. And I really appreciate it, but it's too late. It's so, so good. This is all mother. I blame a mother for this and I'm very upset. And he's so, so hurt. Because mom was the one who pushed them together. She went out to Lucifer, tried to convince him to go for it. Even earlier when she said, follow your heart. She even talked to Chloe. She even talked to Chloe to convince her that Lucifer is good enough for her. She pushed them together in order to break his heart. And he's not going to see that, obviously, because he's only going to blame dad for this whole situation. But this is a prime manipulation by mom. And I'm just making her my scapegoat. I'm just blaming everything that's happened on her. I am fucking also blaming upset with dad. dad. Yeah. Yes, okay. obviously. <laughs> just so we're graying. But in this situation, the way it's been delivered, the way that she waited for them to get together and give themselves in to deliver the news, if she would have told him before he went for it, it would have been a completely different situation. She waited for the worst slash best possible moment to utterly destroy Lucifer. He storms out 
of the bar and this is where I cut because we have a cut. You hear the door close and then you see him storm through her flat door. However, before he leaves, the way he actually finds out the news is not from Mace or Mum. It's because we finally see what Mum showed Mace in order to convince her to talk to Lucifer. And that is the picture of Emenadiel and Penelope. Obviously, once Lucifer sees that, there is no way back. And I kind of, sort of, kind of think that that may have been Mum's plan B to kind of get him to notice the picture. And I hate it. And then we have a song starting to play that is going to accompany us for the rest of the episode. And the name of the song is Warpaint and it's by Chasing Jonah. We are moving into the very last scene and Lucifer is so angry and he storms up the stairs already talking while he enters the room. Did you know? Did you know? And we have no idea what's going on with Chloe. We just see her back. Yeah, and then she turns around and we see that she has a nosebleed and she doesn't even react to anything he's saying and she just says, it won't stop. Which is exactly the same thing that Alice said earlier in the episode, which obviously is done on purpose and it's just so chilling. And the episode ends. It just ends. We have a fucking cliffhanger, which I'm always there for, you know, but also the mystery poison plot moves on into a third episode. So now we, of course, have several situations, but we're going to talk about that in the general notes. Damn, that was a good episode. Yeah, my entire end of this episode is like majority just all caps <laughs> because I was very emotional, as you can tell from our previous conversations about a lot that was happening. And not only they managed to convince me that the stupid other big meta plots that they revealed last episode with the mysterious box or whatever is relevant to our actual plots somehow they put it together so they made me unangry about that but they <laughs> upset me about other things however if i'm just gonna transform myself into my final thoughts with the upset that i had I'm not sure how articulate I was in my final thoughts, but I did write down a lot of text. I was just so happy for Lucifer and Chloe for a moment. I mean, listen, I've seen this. I knew that this was gonna happen and I just didn't realize that they're gonna destroy them so fucking quickly because I forgot that part. It's just so fucking cruel and I don't think Lucifer deserves being treated this way and manipulated by his parents this way in the way that they are whatever types of wars they're playing at with each other or with humanity he doesn't deserve to be a pawn and neither does Chloe it just breaks my heart but anyway the villain itself the professor as I mentioned before he was written very very well because I hate him very very much and I did completely forget about the plot twist that he actually poisons Chloe at some stage somehow that we don't know how. So I'm really excited to watch the next episode and see what's gonna happen and how the fact that Chloe is about to die is gonna change how Lucifer is feeling right now. The news that he got from Mace and Mum, how that's gonna affect his reaction to the fact that Chloe is about to die. So yeah, it was very difficult to make notes on this because the episode was flowing really well and I did have to stop a lot because I didn't want to miss anything. As always, so I was actually quite happy in the end of the day with the episode, even though it made me very angry. Sometimes we need to get angry to get good content. 
I fully agree with pretty much everything you said. The only thing that I found surprising, I laughed a lot during this episode. Yeah, there was a lot of great jokes in there. But listening to everything you just said does not really suggest that there is much joy or joke in this episode when in fact there is. I am happy with the mystery package payoff and I don't mind it bleeding nudge, nudge, into the next episode. <laughs> Yeah, me neither, actually. Yeah, I didn't. I forgot to mention that. And we were so angry last episode with they better wrap it up next episode and now we have to carry on with it for one more and I'm fine with it. I think it's because they managed to put it together with the big plots, with the meta plots. I think the mystery is resolved and now we only have the repercussions because of it that have to be handled. The moral conundrum, like I said before, is a classic question. I do wonder, though, what Sporty Boy would have chosen because we do see Sporty Boy and Poisoned Boy sit next to each other outside on a bench when Chloe comes running back to make sure that Lucifer is alright. And they seem kind of friendly with each other. We don't really know how long they've been there together and if they were allowed to talk and stuff. So I'm kind of curious what Sporty Boy would have done. And if I'm not mistaken, the actor for Sporty Boy usually is a stuntman. If I'm not mixing it up, but I'm pretty, pretty sure because I checked several IMDb pages and Sporty Boy apparently usually is a stuntman and sometimes he gets a role where he has to do more stunt stuff, even though I don't really know why the Sporty Boy has a stuntman as an actor. But... Oh well. We also got some very, very decent Linda and Ella bits. And of course, most importantly, I got proven right that it was indeed Kleinberg at the end of the last episode. And we all know how important things like that are for me. All in all, I can't wait for the next episode because damn cliffhanger. But for now, it is time to say thank you for everyone who's listening to us. If you feel the need to get in touch with us, you can do so via all our various social media platforms. Just type in the Apple of Truth and then you will find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Or of course, you can just send us an email to lucifer at taot-podcast.com. And we actually ask that you do send us emails because on October 7th is the cutoff for sending in feedback. So if you have notes, comments, critics, praise, whatever, please do send it in via email to lucifer at podcast.com and do so before October 7th. And then we will talk about it in our second summoning episode. And as per usual, thanks to all of our patrons for supporting us. And if you want to join the ranks of them, just go to patreon.com slash podcast. You will find all of our extra content there if you join at believer level uh, you can join our community on discord to talk about the show or anything else if you want or just annoy us because we deserve it well maybe you deserve it i am perfect so no she's not <laughs> if you don't have the means to become a patron it's okay if you want to still help us out please tell all of your friends to listen to the show this is the best way to help us out if you don't have the financial means. Another way to support us would be to write us a review on iTunes because that helps with our ranking and that makes it easier for people to find us. Thank you and bye! bye.